You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Communication with the group is, uh, I think it's outstanding. And if there's a problem, we deal with it. Oh, Canada, we stand all right. You boo them when they touch the puck and you, you make the, the building uh, phenomenally loud when, uh, when things go your way. I'll tell you that for free. Good morning, Vancouver. 6.01 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. No, wait, it's Jamie Dodd. It is Sportsnet right. 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jamie, good morning. Good morning. Uh, A-Dog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Uh, Halford and Bruff in the morning this week is Halford and Dodd in the morning. The vacationing Jason Bruff is in Mexico. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them on the internet at Campbell. Nope. Everythingfinancial.com. I almost sent them to Campbell-Pound, whatever that is there. You know? What's the one? Did you just say Campbell-Pound? Campbell-Pound? Campbell-Pound. Dosh oh, Pant. I'm going to send him to Campbell Dosh Pant. If you go to that on the internet, it won't work. He card read good. Don't do it. What does the Dosh look like? Uh, <laughs> that's a close relative of the Dash. It's just a longer one. It's a Dosh, as they say in England. Um, go ahead, Jamie. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Uh, we have a very big show today on Boa Palooza. It's Horvat Day. Finally, everybody, uh, the former Vancouver Canucks captain returns to Rogers Arena tonight, 7 o'clock. Pre-game, post-game, and the game. Everything right here on Sportsnet 650. As for what's coming up on this show today, uh, 6.30, Jeff Merrick, host of the Jeff Merrick podcast, and uh, or Jeff Merrick show and the 32 Thoughts podcast will be joining us. 7 o'clock, Nick Shook from NFL.com is going to be joining us. And then at 8, Corey Schneider. That's right. Former Vancouver Canucks goalie, the guy who is forever linked mm-hmm. to Bo Horvat, thanks to that trade on the draft floor in 2013. Uh, he's now an analyst with MSG Network, which Andy keeps referring to as the MGS Network. And not yes. ironically. Yeah, I don't. It's, it's me- You know what? It's, an, it's a, the Metal Gear Solid yes, Network. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Fellow nerd Jamie Dodd understands. That's right. That's the reason I say that. Uh, never so, put it together. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's dog. stuck in my head forever, and I will never change it. So Corey Schneider's going to join us at eight uh, from Nick, the Metal Gear Solid Network. Right, <laughs> just going to talk gaming for twenty minutes uninterrupted. Yeah. Not a mention of Horvat. Uh, Seven o'clock, Nick Shook. Six thirty, Jeff Merrick. Okay, we're giving away tickets today for Saturday's game. Uh, again, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena against the Seattle Kraken. So if you want to get in on those, dear listeners, send a what we learned into the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket at 650-650. What we learned, the premise is quite simple. You tell us what you learned over the last 24 hours in sports. Hashtag it WWL. And yes, today, put those ticket emojis into your text. You'll be entered into the grand prize contest to win a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and Kraken on Saturday. At Rogers Arena. Okay, that is what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What happened? 
What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. Okay, we uh, I had to get through the intro part real quick because we have about a million yeah. things that we need to get into today. Most of them Vancouver Canucks related. For a relatively quiet off day where the team only practiced. There was a bunch of news around this team. The big one, courtesy of Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff from the NHL general managers meetings, is that Canucks general manager Patrick Alvin told Frank in Daily Faceoff on Tuesday he's trying to chip away at a contract for Elias Pettersson. The quote is as follows. I've had conversations with Pat Brisson, and I met with Pedersen's Swedish agent a couple of weeks ago when he was in town. This is what Alvin told Frank yesterday. We're continuing to talk there and see where things go. Hopefully we'll get it done sooner sooner rather than later. I cannot talk this morning. I'm going to now cede the floor that's, that's to difficult. Jamie Dodd. That's difficult. For the next two hours and All 55 right, minutes, we go. go. Uh, and then I'll add on what Pat Persson said, which is uh, we continue to have conversations, but I prefer to keep things on the low key for now. That was uh, Brisson to Frank via text message. So from both sides saying, yep, we're talking, we're having conversations, not saying anything is imminent or anything like that, but there are conversations happening. And this is a huge deal, obviously, especially where things were kind of left between Pedersen and the team after his, his interview with Elliot Friedman uh, on a boat in Sweden in the summer. And for all of the, you know, the Canucks have got off to such a good start and people have started to, I think, let their minds wander down the road. Hey, could this team make the playoffs? Can they finish top three in the division? What's going to happen here? And that's all great. And that's all really exciting. But this is the biggest reason. This is the most important reason why a good start matters why a great start matters for this team if Pedersen is so impressed with what he's seen already and likes what he's seen already so much that it's changed his position or it's it's cleared the bar for him saying okay I want to wait to see how things go now I've seen how things are going I'm willing to start talking extension that's a massive massive deal and I I do have to say like I think the fact that we haven't been talking about Pedersen's contract situation at all was actually a really good sign. Yeah. Because if the season had been going poorly, it would be a constant talking point. You know what I mean? The negative media had brought that up. The negative media. Um, It's going to be interesting to see what happens from here because the acknowledgement publicly that they're working away at it will bring this conversation back Mm. to the forefront. I mean, it kind of was set on the back burner because quite honestly, there were a million other things, more pressing things to talk about. But now you're going to start to wonder about how long are they going to go? Will they go the full eight? Are they going to chalk up the Rasmus Dahlin contract and say, here is $88 million over the next eight years. Would you like to be a part of this for close to a decade? Because that's going to be, again, we're comparing apples to oranges with guys that, yes, are the same age, but play different positions or in completely different markets and mean different things to their team. But it's probably a ballpark figure that an eight, 88 over eight would be something that could be discussed I don't know if that's what it'll end on, but you're going to be talking about those figures for Pedersen. He's the leading scorer in the National Hockey League right now. So this kind of works both ways. You know, the club will say, look, Elias, Pat, unnamed Swedish agent. We want to discuss a variety of things. The first of which is we got proof of concept now that everything we said about the changes we were going to make Mm -hmm. and that we were going to become a serious hockey team going from an unserious to a serious hockey team. Look, we've got a great record. 
all our statistics are top shelf in the NHL. We believe that we have something here that's beyond just a hot start. We think we've got the group righted. We've got the right coach for it. Then the Pedersen camp will respond and say, yes, and a big reason why you're an 11-win team is because my client here has 25 points and is one of the best players in the NHL. So the payout is going to be real interesting. Yeah, and... You know, Alvin says in the quote to uh, to Frank Saravalli that, hey, we, we'd like to get this done sooner rather than later. I think there's a lot of reasons, obviously, why that would be the case for the Canucks. Number one is, yeah, Pedersen's put himself in an even stronger position already. But if it gets to the end of the season and he's, you know, top three in NHL scoring, well above 100 points, clearing 100 points for a second year in a row, his leverage is incredibly, incredibly strong after that. Right. So the fact that he's willing to, you know, he's not saying, hey, I'm going to wait until I have another 100-plus point season on my resume to really dig in. That's a good sign, and I think definitely the Canucks should be trying to get it done before he he racks up another one there. I think the other reason why you want to get this done as soon as possible is that the security and not having to feel like you have the pressure of it looming over you is a big deal, sure. right? Because as, as we get closer to the playoffs, I mean, I think Alvin acknowledged uh, elsewhere at the GM meetings to other reporters that, yeah, we'd like to add on the blue line, right? right. If there are things that are out there, we're, we're very interested. It's hard to do right now, but we'd be interested. And I think if you're looking as the playoffs get closer, the trade deadline gets closer to improve this team. You want to be able to do it with the certainty that Elias Pettersson is locked up. Not yeah. like, oh man, we gotta we gotta nail this trade to impress Pettersson. Well, you know what I mean? Cost certainty is a big part of this because they've got a deal looming with Philip Ronick that they're gonna need to sort out yeah. as well. And that's gonna be another significant pay bump, right? You wanna talk about like Pettersson's making seven point three five right now, and he's gonna get a substantial raise. Horonic's on a deal that pays 4.4. There's a chance he's going to come close to doubling that. And that's going to be a difficult thing to work under the cap and with their budget. So you're right. Like getting this done, assuming they do. Now, remember, we have no idea when you're trying to parse through the words and look through how close it is or anything like that. I mean, is it good that they're having discussions, preliminary or otherwise? Absolutely. It's better than this thing just sitting on the back burner with nobody addressing it. Is it going to get done tomorrow? I'd be highly skeptical of that. Mm-hmm. I think that it's still got a ways to get played out. The important thing here, I think the biggest takeaway is that everything has gone swimmingly yeah. through the first six weeks of the season. And this is just another thing you can add into yeah. the, the, that side of the ledger. Like, things gone good, things gone bad. Well, this is another thing that has gone good. He's played great. He's healthy. The team is playing well. And it seems like if there was any consternation about the aforementioned boat interview where he said that, yeah, you're going to see how this plays out. And I don't want to, you know, I want to win. That's my number one priority. The fact that it's trending in this direction is a good thing. Okay, let's shift on here because we've got some other stuff that we need to get into. Specifically, Bo Horvat's return. It is finally here, folks. Boa Palooza, Wednesday, November 15th of this year of our Lord, 2023. All the Canucks got to weigh in yesterday mm-hmm. on Horvat's return. Now, I want to put this out there. We threw a video up yesterday of the four of us. I think Andy was involved in some capacity, but mostly Laddie. Going back and forth about what the fan reaction would be when Bo Horvat stepped onto the ice and did his address and got his video tribute. And I saw a lot of different feedback from a lot of different people on social media. Some were actually openly questioning why we were having the conversation as if there were was a, de- a debate at hand. I was like, of course there's a debate at hand. We're getting texts on the regular to the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 about, I'm going to boo Horvat every time he touches the puck. 
he does not deserve our cheers. And I think that's the wrong take, but I also acknowledge that mm. it's out there. Well, if you would like to know what the players think, almost universally, not surprising, they're all saying, don't boo, Bo, just cheer, Bo. Make him feel good about himself in his nine years that he spent here, including those years as captain. Uh, Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson, JT Miller. And I think I was reading through your notes last night. You bring up a good point. We're not dumb. We know that none of them were going to carve him. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, no, you should actively boo-bo. I never cared for him. <laughs> you know what? He didn't do a good job. I didn't like that guy. Right. <laughs> I hope the fans really stick it to him. Yeah. Some fan and, points maybe with a few fans. You but. know, yeah, you know they're not going to come out and carve him. But I do think when you dig in to some of the quotes, they're more than just boilerplate. Oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to pat this guy. On that the is back. A, that is a good, good salient point. Like, you know what I mean? Like Pedersen sp- specifically going and saying, Hey, he always helped me when I came over, you know, my English wasn't the best, but he always made a point to talk to me. You know, he's always been a really good teammate. You don't have to go into that sort of detail. If you're just trying to end the conversation in, in the least controversial way possible. Right. Yep. So I think the fact that they're going a little bit beyond that, you know, Miller calling him a great friend, which is interesting considering all of the, excuse me, locker room rift talk and all of that. Yeah, non-invite to the Halloween And party. Miller even referenced that. He said, obviously, there were a lot of rumors and stuff, but uh, he was a great teammate and a really great friend. And I think just, again, I get it. Look, people are going to text it. Well, what do you expect him to say? But I think you take it all in total. You look at it. You think about the context. And it does show you a level of respect and appreciation from his teammates for what Horvat did here. But this is a conversation that is out there. And it's very polarizing because yesterday, another one of Bo Horvat's former teammates took a decidedly different tact when speaking about the captain. That guy, of course, is Yannick Hansen, a regular contributor right here on Sportsnet 650. Um, he was a teammate of Horvat's for, I think, two and a half years, including Bo's rookie year. So he's familiar mm-hmm. with the guy, familiar with the player. Wasn't around for the captaincy part of it, but uh, Yannick did not mince words when talking about what Bo said with I'll Tell You That for Free and everything else. Here's Yannick yesterday on Canucks Center. Oh, sorry, People's Show with Bick Nazar uh, talking about how it was a slap in the face to the Vancouver faithful. Yannick Hansen yesterday on Sportsnet 650. I hope they give him the best of the both worlds. Uh, right. You, you boo him when they touch the puck and you, you make the, the building uh, phenomenally loud when uh, when things goes your way. Um, and then you can kind of yeah shove it in, in his face right back at him, kind of, if you will. Um, I know you kind of need the team to perform in order to do that too. But uh, again, it's um, it was a slap in the face on uh, the Vancouver faithful. That's for sure. He'll tell you that for free. Yes. <laughs> Actually, I do think we pay Yannick. So no, no, he won't. No, you know what? Yeah, we're playing for a nominal He's going to send the invoice in. Yeah. yeah. So uh, roster news and injury updates from the Canucks yesterday. Uh, Carson Soucy week to week after suffering an injury in the, I think it was in the second period, and him and Myers actually got hurt yep. on the same shift against Montreal on Sunday night. So uh, it's a lower body injury. Rick Tockett confirmed it to reporters yesterday. So this is the thing that we were all talking about we all knew was coming. A thin blue line to begin with mm-hmm. was going to suffer some injuries along the way. Susie will be a big one, no doubt, for this team. While he doesn't play an overwhelming amount of minutes, he is a top six. Andy, call it, wait, that's your phrasing, right? The top six defense? He's top six. Yeah, right. He's a thriving top six defenseman on this team. And as a result, Akito Hirose, another one of Andy's favorites. Well, well, well. <laughs> he's been called up from AHL Abbotsford. We're trying to figure out if he's going to get into the lineup tonight. You seem to I think guessed. he is. And, you know, I mean, first of all, so embarrassing for me after I staked my uh, reputation on saying it was going to be Will Lannan getting called up uh, mm, yesterday. Okay. You know what? Barely listen. Yeah, no, I know. I'm not anyway. worried. Yeah. Um, 
So there was a bit of a moment of, uh, I don't want to say panic, but uh, shock when people saw the practice lines yesterday because Myers didn't practice either. So it was, you had all of Hiroshi, Friedman, and Cole yeah. in the lineup at practice yesterday. I don't think it's going to be like that because Myers, as they said, as Tockett said, just a maintenance day, he should be good to go. But I think what you'll see is something like Hughes-Hronick, Cole, one of Friedman and Juleson, and then Hiroshi and Myers on the third pair just because... Tockett has been so committed to having three right shot guys and three left shot guys on the blue line. Hiroshi is the left shot guy to replace Carson Zuzzi. Right. So when you look at it on paper, again, the team has been great. That blue line has played above expectations and above its head and above water for the entirety of this season, I would say, given what it's comprised of. But now, I mean, it's thin. There's no other way to really describe it. That is a thin blue line with not a lot of... um, NHL regulars like you got to remember Mark Friedman prior to joining this team was not an active nope. NHLer. Akito Hirose not an active NHLer. Noah Juleson again a tweener at best. That's three guys that didn't have regular reps at the NHL level before jumping in to this squad, and they're going to have to make a serious contribution. I would assume that the Quinn Hughes and Philip Horonic ice times are going to be like borderline very, very significant. They're yeah. going to be close to thirty. And I think it's going to be like that for the foreseeable future. Because there's there's no cavalry on the horizon to to solve And honestly, even Cole and Myers, I expect, are going to get a significant minute, especially Ian Cole. Like, we've already seen that, that Cole's minutes get up well above 20 in certain situations because the coach, he's he's been their number three defenseman, right, that the coach relies on. And I think you're going to see a lot of that uh, tomorrow or tonight as well. The top three of the top six, as it was. Now, (laughs) if if you're talking about opponents, you're going to be hard-pressed to break in with a better one than the New York Islanders if you're coming in with this, you know, depleted blue line because the Islanders don't score a lot. Plain and simple. They don't mm-hmm. have a lot of offensive punch. They haven't exactly been testing anybody. The special teams are nothing to write home about. And, uh, you know, defensemen that are leading scorers. So I think it'll be It'll be a decent test, but not an overwhelming one. See, to be honest, Seattle on Saturday, too. I know they got Calgary. They go to Calgary for the second of a back-to-back. But we're not talking about offensive juggernauts in these next three games. So that should be good. Speaking of the Calgary Flames, I want to jump into some of the things that happened in the National Hockey League last night. The big story was Jacob Markstrom's return from injury. And what a return it was. 34 saves. The Calgary Flames win 2-1 against the Montreal Canadiens in Montreal. Markstrom missed the previous couple games because of an upper body injury. Here's something to keep an eye on. Calgary got off to a horrible start this season, and they had a six-game losing streak sandwiched in there. Since that six-game losing streak, Calgary is very quietly 3-1-1. You know, the Jonathan Huberto benching, Mm -hmm. the Jacob Markstrom injury, the Nazem Kadri struggles to start the season. They've managed to survive it, and they've put together a nice little run. Part of the reason that they're doing it is they've turned to some of their younger guys in the American League, including Connor Zary, a guy I did not know a lot about, I'm not going to lie, prior to the start of this show. He's got five points through uh, six games now, and he's given them a spark. They've been able to play guys more minutes while reducing the ice time of a guy like Huberto because he's been ineffective, and they've been okay. So for all the negatives that have come out of... um, the province of Alberta to start the season with the two respective hockey teams. Calgary's kind of righted the ship. And of course I bring this up because the Canucks are going back to back. They're going to be in Calgary on Thursday. Yeah. And Calgary, all of a sudden, you know, only four points uh, or five points out of the final playoff spot in the West. And they're not, they don't have a great record now by any means. Right. But they've, they've tied Minnesota. They're just a hair behind Seattle. They've at least climbed back into the pack. That's chasing the final playoff spot rather being, rather than being the basement dwellers along with the Oilers and the Sharks. 
in the Western Conference. Yeah, keeping it in the Canadian team conversation, the Winnipeg Jets, who we have talked about, like, not at all this <laughs> season. I have paid zero attention to what they're doing. After Shifley and Hellebuck resigned, I was like, fine, we don't have to pay attention to them for a while. They have had a very nice start to the season, and none nicer than Kyle Connor, who scored two more goals in a 6-3 win over the slumping New Jersey Devils right now. Keep an eye on that, too, with all the injuries they've got. So Connor now is tied for the NHL lead in goals with, with Austin Matthews. With 13. And again, another guy that we just have not flat out not talked about to start this season, even though he's been brilliant. Uh, 6-3 win for the Jets. So that's one to keep an eye on as they move forward because they continue. I think they've over they've exceeded expectations. I think so. My expectations this year were very muted for that team, even after the Shifley and Hellebuck um, extensions, because I wasn't exactly sure what they were as a team. It felt like a bunch of remnants from the previous yep. regime, plus all the guys that they added in the Dubois trade. And then I just kind of looked at it and said, okay, we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, they look pretty good. I, I was expecting them to be in that, the thick of the bubble playoff tier in the Western Conference, and they've put themselves right now a cut above that. With the I start. thought the same, and I thought that would be their ceiling. Yeah. I thought, you know, I'm <laughs> like, if you are a 94 to 98 point team, that is almost exceeding well, expectations. They're a little bit like just a better, a more talented version of the Islanders in the sense that it's just the same over yeah. and over and again, right? It just feels stale, but that doesn't mean it's bad, You're, but you're just like, ah, this again, you're running it back, but hey, they're doing a good job so far. Um, the Buffalo Sabres are sad club brethren here in Vancouver. Uh, a real tough start to the season, got a hell of a lot tougher yesterday. Last year's 47 goalman, Tage Thompson, is now out indefinitely after he suffered a upper body injury in a 5-2 loss, another bad thing for Buffalo, uh, to the boss and Bruins on Tuesday. Thompson had a nightmare game yesterday. I don't know if you guys saw it, but he he suffered a skate cut early, came back, then blocked a shot from Charlie McAvoy, and that knocked him out of the game entirely. Uh, Don Granato, the Buffalo coach, said that Tage Thompson is going to miss a significant period of time with an undisclosed injury. Remember, 47 goals a year ago, 12 through 16 games. He was a guy that was going to be counted on yeah. in a big way to get Buffalo into the playoffs for the first time in a decade, and now he's out for an extended period of time. Well, and Buffalo is one of those teams that Ottawa and Detroit were the other ones. Now, Detroit's done it so far, at least, but these three teams that were really going to be trying to take that step forward to pl- to, uh, to to be in legitimate playoff contention, all in that division, and for Ottawa and Buffalo, it just hasn't happened, right? It's more of the same for them. Now, the, the, the playoff race so far, and I realize it's only November 15th in the Eastern Conference is very bunched up. So those teams are still very much alive in that race. But you keep waiting for Buffalo to take this really meaningful step forward where they're not just hovering around 500, but they're actually showing you something. They're a stat like they have the young talent. You go yeah. through Dalene Thompson uh, power, right? Like there's really, really good players there and they just can't seem to bring it all together and take that next step. Nightmare game for Devin Levi as well. Yeah. He guys pulled after five on 18 shots. It, yeah, it was not great for him last night. I watched some of the highlights and he was getting hung out to dry too. Like it wasn't a mm-hmm. poor goaltending performance. They are just leaky everywhere. Um, two teams that we need to keep an eye on before we get to Jeff Merrick, who's going to be joining us on the other side of the break. And there are two teams that one, I really don't care about that much. And two, uh, completely unexpected turnarounds. The one is, and the first is the Anaheim Ducks, and they are the most relevant to uh, what we do here mm. because of their ties to the Pacific Division and the fact that they keep winning games while trailing going into the third period. An NHL record now. The Ducks have become the first team in NHL history to have six 
third period comeback wins through the first 15 games of the season. They had another one last night, 3-2 against the Predators. That puts the Ducks to 9-6-0 on the year, and they are in the playoff mix, which I did not expect at all. This is earlier than expected. I know Mason McTavish is having an amazing year. We have yet to see Anaheim yet, and it's going to be really interesting because when we were looking at uh, the preseason and trying to predict what's going to happen during the regular season for the Canucks, one of the things that we said was, you're going to feast on two-thirds of California. You're going to beat up on the Sharks, and you're going to beat up on the Ducks. Everyone in the division is going to do it. Not that way right now for Anaheim. The uh, the Ducks are the inverse version of last year's Canucks. They yeah. were setting records for blown leads early. Like, wow, they've already blown eight multi-goal leads. All and these <laughs> weird, obscure NHL <laughs> yeah, yeah, records yeah. that the Montreal Maroons That's set. hard to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, already? The Ducks are doing it in the good way so far this year. And then we have to pay attention to... The Washington Capitals, who after a really flat and kind of dismal start to the season, which included Nicholas Backstrom coming back Mm. from hip surgery and then going on the shelf, the Caps shut out the Vegas Golden Knights last night thanks to Charlie Lindgren, one of your favorites, laddie. They are now 7-1-1 in their last nine. He catches with his right hand. Yeah, it's but the guys... (laughs) Isn't that cool? So, So, like, Ovechkin's not having a very good year. Um, Nicholas Backstrom is out of the lineup. Kuznetsov got hurt yesterday. They're doing it with Dylan Strom being their leading goal scorer and a guy named Beck Malenstein. Malenstein? I don't even sure. know if I'm produ- pr- pronouncing it right. Yeah, Malenstein. I'm not sure. Uh, he was one of the three goal scorers last night in a 3 nothing shutout win over the Vegas Golden Knights. So you look at the Caps now, and out of nowhere, they're an 8-4-2 and two team, and suddenly they become interesting again. Mm-hmm. And by the way, just to keep an eye on Vegas, who has come back to earth a little bit, they've lost 3-4. of four, And in the, the losses, they've scored a grand total of three goals. So that heater that Vegas was on that got them to the top of the Pacific Division, uh, now no longer. Okay, way up against it for time, way over for the break. Jeff Merrick, host of the 32 Thoughts podcast and the Jeff Merrick Show. He's going to be joining us next. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. On a Wednesday, it's times like this that we need a dog cam. That, of course, being a camera fixated on Andy, a dog Cole, and Greg Laddie Balak. This is the they, happiest I've ever seen a dog. The dogs are dancing right I'm now. Feeling it. It's awful. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show featuring Jamie Dodd. He's here today and tomorrow filling in for the vacationing Jason Bruff. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Jeff Merrick is going to join us in just a second here, the highlight of hour one. Hour one is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. I got it right. I'm improving as the show goes along. Uh, we got a lot to get to on the show today. It is Bo Horvat Day here in Vancouver. Boa Palooza tonight, 7 o'clock. Rogers Arena. A reminder, pregame, postgame, everything you want ahead of and following tonight's game is right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Joining us now for a little bit of Bo Horvat talk to kick it off, Jeff Merrick, host of the 32 Thoughts podcast and the Jeff Merrick show here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Morning, Jeff. How are you? 
What's the rink going to be like tonight? That is a great question. One that we have pondered repeatedly over the last 48 hours. We have acknowledged, and some people don't even like that we've acknowledged it, but there are people who are very definitely going there tonight and will boo Bo Horvat. I think oh, that's a, I think that's ridiculous. I don't understand why. The people that make the arguments for it, I think, are way off base. But make no mistake, there are people, and many of them have texted into our Dunbar Lumber text line, who have said, yes, I am offended. I am outraged, and I'm going to show that by booing tonight when Horvat hits the ice. As, as long as no one checks him from behind in the hockey pants slash knees, like we saw Leon Dreisaitl do on Monday, which is one of the more bizarre things that I've seen. I've seen cross-checks before, but that low, that was an interesting one. When they, fi- um, when they find him, Jeff, I felt like they had to go into the dictionary to find a new descriptor for it, because I was like, I'm not sure exactly what that is, <laughs> what that was, but because he, yeah. he got dinged for what they called it a dangerous trip, right? Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's a weird one. I, I always love the, um, and I've, I've asked George Paris to rename it a very specific thing and he liked it, but he hasn't done it yet. You know, when, uh, when a player gets hit, uh, with the hockey stick in the part of them that is most a man. Yes. I've always, I've always referred to that as the cowbell. Uh-huh. And I've asked Paris if they can just like, I'm just dying to get like a definition into the rule book or create a new rule, have some effect on the NHL. And if it can be renaming that move, the cowbell, I'll be a very happy person. <laughs> Said player has been fined $5,000, the maximum allowable for cowbelling. Yes. <laughs> Come on. You wouldn't have a smile at that. That would be pretty good. Um, okay. So the Horvat thing, uh, if you had yeah. to kind of take a step back and maybe not be in the moment tonight, but take a look back at his legacy in Vancouver and what he meant to the franchise, uh, how would you classify it? I think he was, I think he was someone that played on a Vancouver Canucks team during one of its most tumultuous times. And that covers a lot of ground. And I think he wore the Jersey with class and dignity um, I think that everything that, that Horvat did on and off the ice was to the best of his abilities. And, and I think he really cared. Like, I think he really cared about the Vancouver Canucks. I think he really cared about what the captaincy meant. Um, and I think he really, you know, I think he wanted that team, obviously wanted that team to perform better. Um, and I think he was, you know, I, I think he was a player that, I don't want to say was, was, was underappreciated, because I think everybody in Vancouver knew how good Bogorvat was. I just don't know that Vancouver Canucks fans, or maybe even anybody in hockey, really appreciated and appreciates Bo Horvat for what he can bring because he doesn't do anything spectacular. You know, like there's not like he doesn't have the hardest shot. He's not the hardest skater. He's not a punishing body checker. He's great at draws. Like, he's great at things that coaches look at and go, oh, it's so easy to throw this guy over the boards because I know what's going to happen and I know that we're not going to get in trouble. That doesn't make it up. That doesn't make it on the highlights. So once someone turns on you, like a fan turns on you, it's hard to get them back because there's nothing obvious that you can do. Um, I look at Horvat's time as a positive one. I mean, it was a really difficult time for the Vancouver Canucks, a tumultuous, controversial time for the Vancouver Canucks, uh, uh, an era that's still getting relitigated. Uh, through the media, through Jim Benning and Trevor Linden and various hosts and various hockey fans as well. And through all of it, you know, Bo Horvat never took the bait to really get involved in the drama. And that's just who Bo Horvat was and who Bo Horvat is. Jeff, uh, the NHL GM meetings happened yesterday. Lots of interesting tidbits to come out of that. I think the most interesting, the talk about 
possibly tweaking three on three overtime, maybe adding some rules, talk of an, uh, an over and back style rule with the center line or even a shot clock. So I'll ask you two questions here. What do you think of the tweaks that they were proposing? And then I know you love your out of the box ideas. So if you were in charge, if you could adjust single handedly uh, three on three overtime, what would it look like? Okay, first of all, I'm not a big fan of of uh, uh, of, of the, the the measures that were discussed coming out of the GMs meetings. I think if you do the shot clock, the teams will sit back even more and just say, "Okay, we're just going to surrender a whole bunch of low percentage shots here, and then what if we turn the overtime into?" Uh, not a huge fan of the over and back. Although I was on a panel yesterday at the primetime sports conference with Scott Housen president of the American Hockey League and I asked him I said like if there's one thing you could change in the American League what would it be and he said our overtime rules uh, for the same reason the NHL is looking at it you know neutral zone regroup neutral zone regroup and he said you know my idea would be once you have possession in the offensive zone if you deliberately exit the offensive zone it's a surrender of possession at that moment which I thought was an, an, an interesting one but if you want the out of the box one what was, let's think back to the, the, the beginning of three-on-three overtime in the NHL. Mm-hmm. What did we love about it? It was sprints for five minutes. Yeah, it was chaos. It was, but yeah, it was chaos. It was bad angle shots that led to two-on-ones going. It essentially was an exchange of odd man rushes. It yep. was great. It was fun. It was, and there was that one Ottawa-Detroit game that we all watched and said, holy smokes, yeah, give me this all the time. This is fantastic. And the other thing that we said, too, was, you know what the greatest thing about overtime is? The coaches have no idea what to do with it, so the players just play. It's just, you know, the, the coaches have no clue, so this is awesome. Well, guess what happened? The coaches figured out how to coach three-on-three. Three. You know, it took a couple of years, but they finally got there, and now we're at the point where it's like, nope, this is low percentage. Let's regroup in the neutral zone and attack again. It's not what overtime was supposed to be. So if you want an out-of-the-box idea, just imagine this visual for one second. You're tied after 60 minutes. Before you get to overtime, all the coaches have to leave the bench. The coaches <laughs> take the walk back to the dressing room, and you just let the players play. There is no long, There is no more coaching. The three-on-three. Three. Now, I know there'll be a lot of too many men on the ice penalties. I get that if you just leave, leave the guys in charge. But one, I love the visual of the coaches all exiting the bench because at the end of all of it, you know, who makes the game boring? Coaches. Yep. Players just want to go and play. So how about for an out-of-the-box one then, Jamie? How about it's coaches have to leave the bench? You have to uh, – I think you have to also prohibit them from going back and watching the tape afterwards, right? They're just you're, you're, You get – the coaches get the final <laughs> score. They get what happened, but we're not going to tell you a single thing that led to it. So yeah. you can't punish you, anyone. You coached the 60 minutes. Uh, you got your point. Yep. You're taken over from here. That's, you did your job. You got the one point. Good for you. Here's your cookie. Now go back to the dressing room. Yeah, I love it, though, because you're absolutely right. I, and I, that's my concern with all of the rules is that there's always unintended consequences or the potential new rules, right? There's always unintended consequences, and coaches are going to do what coaches do, which is try to figure out a way to take advantage of them and ultimately to make the game yeah. you know, slower, more conservative, safer, which is what uh, coaches are always trying to do. So I love uh, I love that idea from you just eliminate coaches maybe choose a fan or, and have them come down and run the bench for uh for overtime or how, how about i have a fan oh, you run a contest yeah you can coach yeah. the overtime it's like having an e-bug it's, a, it's yeah a, exactly uh emergency coach in case it goes to overtime steve who's had uh last check uh seven beers you're coaching now come on come on down um how about this one you can't do a neutral zone regroup if there's no neutral zone hmm 
How about we get rid of the lines? Yeah. I like that. If you're talking about chaos, pond hockey, that whole thing, right? Like that, I think that's where I would go before uh, over and back or a shot clock or anything like that is take some rules out, take some complications out rather than uh, add some more in. Um, uh, The other thing that's, uh, of course, a big topic of conversation uh, after the the tragic Adam Johnson death in England is the cut. And I know there was new developments in that yesterday as well, which I think we're all trying to make sense of. Uh, very yeah. cautiously, uh, but the the cut resistant equipment. Where do you get the sense that that conversation between the NHL and the players is going here? Players always say no. Whether it's shot blockers on the feet, whether it's mandatory neck guards, nope. This is this is my choice. I need to feel comfortable out there. This is how I make my living. This is how I ply my trade. So the default setting for players is no. I'm not going to do that. Now Bill Masterton led the helmets. You know, the visor issue, I mean, we all followed that story and how long that took. Um, and it had to be grandfathered in. And much like helmets had to be grandfathered in. I think we're probably going the same direction here with with, uh, with mandatory neck guards. Mm-hmm. Um, players, like, look, like, to me, the, the, the one big moment was when, when Richard Zednick took off his neck guard. And right. essentially said, what are the odds that it happened twice? Right. Like, that's just how, how players feel. Like, they don't skate with a sense of... You know, this might happen to me or that might. I mean, you see it every time a player goes out to block a shot. Like they skate with this, you know, this, this, uh, this, this aura of invincibility. And you probably have to. Like if you're playing in the NHL, like I think remember all the Ian LaPerriere. Remember when Ian LaPerriere blocked that Paul Martin slap shot, the New Jersey Philadelphia series mm-hmm. years ago and blocked it with his face? Yep. Like that's just how these guys, like I think that's how you have to be hardwired to play in the NHL. You can't skate with the, with the idea that I might get hurt or something awful may happen to me. I mean, it's always in the back of your mind, but you say, you know what, what are the odds? So I'm going to get a little bit nicked up, sure, but uh, the, the odds of this happening, this is what we keep hearing from the players, the odds of that happening to me are so slim that I'm willing to gamble with it. Now, I do think that you know maybe the way that this gets more profoundly changed is through insurance companies, um, and I am not sophisticated enough uh, to understand like how that would actually work, but uh, you know, I, I would imagine that insurance companies would look at a lot of these contracts and say, "Hang on a second here. You have an injury that is avoidable with a piece of equipment, right? Um, and you know, could it be the insurance companies that ultimately come to the player's uh, safety on their behalf? Um, but I, I think that if it if it goes the normal course, uh, I think the PA will do what the PA always does. Uh, and that is vote to stick it to the guys that are not in the NHL, and that's the players that are coming into the NHL. I, I think we're probably looking at a grandfathered situation here. Although I'm 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 happy to be surprised, uh, but I've just you know, and we all have you know, watched the PA and, and and watch how the Players Association has behaved and how players feel about adding new pieces of equipment. And I say to myself, this is going to be like helmets. This is going to be like visors. This is going to be grandfathered in. Um, with regards to the ongoing legal situation, I know this is pretty fresh, and for those that missed it, there was a manslaughter arrest yesterday by UK police uh, yeah. in with regards to Adam Johnson's uh, passing. 
Are you uh, aware if the NHL, I'm assuming they're following us. I'm just wondering how closely, and I know that there's significant differences between UK law and North American law and the way that the legal proceedings play out and the way the policing works. But I imagine that the NHL has to be paying some level of close attention to this, if only because there's a potential for precedent to be set. I'm just not sure how much, given there is a lot going on right now as these general managers meetings are underway in Toronto. For sure. I I think, uh, well, first of all, I think a lot of people were surprised. Um, but then I, I think, and, and listen, I put my hand up too. Like, I don't know British mm. law. Like I, I feel like horribly unqualified to talk about why that happened with Matt Peckrave, um, and, and why he was taken into custody of, on suspicion of manslaughter. Um, so I, I, I'm horribly unqualified to, to talk about why that happened and, and how that happened. Um, but I think that there are, like, I, I think that everyone here is, is looking at this and saying, um, yeah, not so much, you know, if, if this can happen to Matt Peckrave there, it could happen over here. And there's a lot of violent acts that happen in hockey. Like I understand, like we all sort of, you know, suspend ethics, uh, when you play sports, doesn't matter what sport it is. Like you allow things to happen to you during the course of a game that you wouldn't allow to happen to you walking down the street, to go get a sandwich or a cup of coffee for lunch. Um, but I think that they're, they're looking at it more with, uh, more with curiosity. And, you know, just, I think the the big thing here is I think a lot of people have, and I know I do have a hard time wrapping your head around the idea that a hockey player would even think to do that. Like if you follow the logic of some people that think that, that Matt Petgrave is in the wrong here, like, I, we've seen a lot of violent acts in hockey over the years, you know, and I can only think of one that involved someone deliberately hitting someone else with a skate. And that was Jack Carlson McFatee in the old WHA um, in a Minnesota New England brawl, which is like one of these legendary uh, brawls in the old WHA. But I, I don't know. I don't I think a lot of people are are horrified even at the thought that someone would even think or consider using their skates as a weapon. Now we've we seen people step on people's feet. Yes, of course we have, but in, in, in that fashion, I think a lot of people are horrified. So I think there's a lot of layers to all of this here, but I think that's the, the, the latest one that there is a suspicion that Matt Petgrave may have done this deliberately. That to me is horrifying. And I think that's horrifying to a lot of people. And I think a lot of people, I know I'm in this camp, don't believe that what he did was deliberate, but there are people out there who think that it was. Yeah, I think you're right that there's a lot of surprise, and uh, you know, as with you, Jeff, I don't know what how that legal system plays out, right? So I'm not really qualified to say what it means that there was an arrest made uh, yesterday. Yeah. Hey, I, I did want to ask you about a couple of things on the ice from last night around the NHL here as well. Sure, uh, the Anaheim Ducks, another <laughs> third period comeback. What are they, up to six? Already this year, yeah. they get the win over the Preds. So what's going on? Are the Ducks for real? Are they going to be a playoff no. contender this year? No, it's like three. <laughs> it's like one. It's like one goal games. Mm-hmm. Like you know, the, the the narrative is always like if you win a whole bunch of one goal games in a season, it's like oh look, they know how to win playoff games. They know how to win one goal tight games. Yeah, when you when you win a whole bunch of one goal games, a lot of that is coin flip time. And comebacks. Uh, the history of uh, of hockey will tell you that is a dangerous way. That is a dangerous way to play the game. Uh, it's a great story, and we're all loving it. And we're all loving Brad Kokudis, who was in tremendous pain after blocking that shot last night. It was really great that Gudis with the goal, the fight, the assist. 
the great interview afterwards as well. I mean, he's really become a, a cult hero already in, in Anaheim. Everywhere he goes, Radko Gudis is, is, is a cult hero. Um, it's a fun story, but I think more than anything else, because I don't think that like, I, I, I think it's, it's too much to say like it's fool's gold, but I, I don't think we should be hoodwinked into thinking that this style of play is going to be successful over the course of an entire season. Yeah, we're down two goals heading into the third, but we're the Ducks, ladies and gentlemen. We're coming back. Uh, hockey doesn't work that way. Um, but what I do think is that um, what Anaheim is showing is what the future is going to look like. Right. Like you're going to see, you know, a whole bunch of, you know, Mason McTavish as the next captain of the Anaheim Ducks. And you're going to see Leo Carlson as a star. And you're going to see Pavel Minchikov as an elite level player and Lucas Dostal as, you know, the, the next, you know, next in line of great goaltenders from J.S. Shiger to John Gibson now to Lucas Dostal, the rookie of the month in October. What you're seeing is that every single position, and maybe like, like when you watch Anaheim, doesn't it seem like every time they play, there's another elite level young defenseman on the roster? Like, oh, Jackson Lacombe. Okay, quick, mm-hmm. look him up. Uh, Pavel Minchikov. Okay. And the best one hasn't even showed up yet, Nolan Zellweger. You guys are there. You guys know how good Nolan Zellweger uh, was in the Western Hockey League. Like, maybe the best young guy out of all of them isn't even there yet. So I, I think what Anaheim is doing, because you can sell wins or you can sell hope in the NHL and in all sports, really. And what they're showing you is if you're an Anaheim Ducks fan, you have a lot of good feelings and a lot of, a lot of good hope about what the future of this organization looks like. Cause you see it at every position, a level potential for a goaltender, a level potential for a young blue line and studs up front as well. And we even mentioned Trevor Zegers. Um, it looks good. Like it looks, it looks fantastic for the Anaheim Ducks. I just don't think that you can sustain yourself based on third period comebacks. That's what the history of hockey teaches us, anyhow. Jeff, you're the best, buddy. Thanks a lot for doing this today. We appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the day. Enjoy Boa Palooza tonight. It should be a lot of fun. We'll do I can't it. wait. It's going to be good. I, uh, honestly, I, I, here's, what, here's what I hope. Because fans can go and express themselves as, as they see fit. They pay a lot of money for hockey tickets, and I understand that. I hope that, because I know he's going to get booed by some, I hope it starts with boos but ends with cheers. Like, you just get it out of your system boo, I don't like what you said, Bo Horvat, and then it turns into, you know what, but you were a good captain and good player while you're here. We'll start with a boo, but we'll end with a clap. How about that? Well said. everyone happy. Well said, Jeffrey. Well said. Thanks, bud. We appreciate this. Ever the diplomat. Thanks for talking (laughs) seven days. See you, bud. Uh, Jeff Merrick, host of the Jeff Merrick Show on the 32 Thoughts podcast here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Jeff was a presentation of Angry Otter Liquor. Visit Angry Otter Liquor for a fantastic selection of wine, spirits, and champagne staffed entirely by Angry Otters. True story. Wow. Visit them online at angryotterliquor.crs. Don't take them off. I did not know that was a thing. .crs. Unless I'm reading this wrong, which That's there it. is a possibility. What is CRS? Do we know these things? I don't know these things. I've it's never a, heard of that. It's a URL. Don't know what you call it. <laughs> it exists, though. It thanks, thanks for the information. Oh, no. It's, I'm just confirming that it does exist. It does exist. Yeah. All right. Are you sure? You're sure that it, that yes. it exists? <laughs> you've, been, you've visited a website that's not on the dark I'm, web. I'm that's fairly certain. I'm fairly CRS. certain, yes. Interesting. Okay, we'll discover more at the break because we clearly have it one. Did, it does no, work. I did. I just went there. You went to AngryOtterLiquor.cs? I'm, I'm on several lists now. Apparently, but <laughs> <laughs> Come on. It, it does work. Can confirm. Website works. The read 
is accurate. Okay, we got a lot more to get to on the Halford and Bruff Show, featuring Jamie Dodd, by the way, on Sportsnet 650. Uh, coming up, Nick Shook from NFL.com is going to join us. And the timing on this one could not be more impeccable. Nick, in addition to writing for NFL.com, used to write for the Cleveland Browns. Huge news out of Cleveland this morning as Deshaun Watson is undergoing season-ending shoulder surgery. So we'll talk to Nick coming up next about what that means for a Browns team that just had a huge win over the Ravens on Sunday and now are going to be without their star quarterback for the remainder of the year. That's all coming up next. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.